superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Taste some of this. This OMG. is the Rich Eisen Show. No other way to put it. With guest host Brian Weber. Oh my gosh. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I'm not talking to you. I talk to anybody out there. The haters. Rich Eisen. I talk to the haters right now. And now, sitting in for Rich... Here's Brian Weber. Moving into another hour of the program. Great to have you with us on a surprisingly busy Wednesday. As a veteran of working this holiday week, sometimes we're doing sleight of hand. Sometimes we are trying to take what looks like a small nugget of news and build it into something more substantial. Not the case today. So we're going to move quickly and jump right back in with more NBA talk coming up. 20 minutes from now, we'll bring in our first guest. Say hello to Jonathan Von Tobel, senior NBA analyst and host for VSIN. As I'm about to talk Celtics and Lakers here, I'm going to give you a slight Damian Lillard break. We'll get the view from Vegas in addition to the big picture analysis. After all these moves, have the odds changed at all? Shouldn't Denver still be the team to beat? knowing that the Nuggets lost two key rotational players in Jeff Green and Bruce Brown. Brown, if you watched any of the NBA playoffs, you know, played significant minutes for Denver. That's coming up in 20 minutes, 40 minutes from now, because I want it to be appointment audio, however you are consuming this hopefully fine program. Back to the NFL, you can't avoid Aaron Rodgers and the Jets which is a good thing for the NFL. I'm sorry, Packer Nation. At some point, you're going to have to get over it. And I realize it just feels surreal and probably stings more that you lost another Hall of Fame quarterback to the Jets of all teams, although a different dynamic here, of course. And the Jets are getting a much better quarterback in Aaron Rodgers at this stage of his career than a pervy, creepy washed Brett Favre when he landed in New York. So sometimes we become prisoner of the coverage, and I'm guilty of that as well as someone who consumes a lot of sports media. It's all Jets all the time. But doesn't mean that we have to divorce ourselves from thinking critically. Is the AFC East really the most talented and deepest division in all of football, that is coming up. As we head back to the NBA, and you can 
be a part of this show, 844-204-7424. Twitter's been interesting, quote-unquote, so far. Anybody who takes the time to chime in, I appreciate. Don't know why you have to be less than kind, but such is life on social media. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. I am trying to not make this all Damian Lillard all the time audio, especially because I'm back with you tomorrow and Friday and because we're not going to have clarity, it seems, beyond that. So when Rich comes back from vacation, he's going to be talking about this very same topic for a while. So theoretically, the reason I am here to try to keep the integrity of the brand that Mr. Eisen has worked so hard to establish going is I can think of different avenues to take. And now I'm taking you to the Lakers. Now, I'm always going to focus on important franchises, right? Have you heard me mention the Atlanta Hawks once, even though the goal is to be comprehensive? But I don't want to be just following the crowd down the same road with too much monotony. So I have not talked much about the Lakers by design. But since it's our third day together this week, and I've had a chance to process thoughts more completely, and I thought there might be another move or two. Everything that's been going on since the flurry of activity, going back to Friday, started with the wave of big developments, and now things are trickling a little more slowly and less importantly So I'm not getting into the deals on the margins. But I wanted to give plenty of time just to make sure we had a firm handle on where things are, knowing that the Damian Lillard trade, whenever it gets done, will change everything in terms of a macro perspective of the handful of teams that actually have a chance to win an NBA title. The Lakers belong on that list. Just go back to last year when they made it to the Western Conference Finals. So, Here's what I think is out there, and you may be catching this on your local show or whatever platform that you go to to get your NBA analysis. The Lakers did well in free agency. I'll go through the moves in a moment. You're probably aware of the general theme, and I don't love this phrase, but I'm trying to be hip, 53 and hanging on by my fingernails, even though I date young people trying to Go through this Peter Pan complex. I'm Brian Weber, bearing my soul. Infrared eyes in 844-204-7424. Hit me up on Twitter, BW Weber, Weber with two Bs. I'll give you a piece of personal advice. I'm 53, single, never been married, no kids. I married my job. How did that work out? I am what's called a flight risk. Many relationships have ended because people go, wait a minute, so you work how many days and you don't even have a pet or a household plant? If you date somebody younger, I'm not saying ridiculous, but even say 15 years younger, because unfortunately everybody's younger than me at this stage of my life, the real challenge comes down to music. I'm a talk show host. Theoretically, I could talk about anything. I often have. But since I don't stay that current on music, I realized, and there's probably a shine through on this program, every reference I make is dated by, I don't know, at least a decade. So I've gotten good at smiling and nodding and no longer asking, 
who is this when the music selection is taken over by the latest paramour? So for the folks out there who want to date younger, remember, do not put yourself in a situation where your bluff can be called. It's like, what's the old line at law school? Never pose a question you don't know the answer. Avoid the topic of music. Unless you can just play the hits and go to Taylor Swift. Beyond that, I know I'm not doing myself any favors. Quick sidebar, now back to the Lakers. I'm thinking of all the superstars who show up courtside at Laker games. Even when they put the graphic on TV, I don't know who half these people are. And some of it comes down to the social media clout universe and influencers. But eventually when they say Grammy award-winning recording artist, and I've been listening to the radio back to when Casey Kasem was a god in this space, that is the tell. That's how you're going to be exposed. The Lakers have done well. They were in many ways a year ahead of schedule by making that unlikely run to the Western Conference Finals, although I think they were exposed in the sweep. And I was in for Rich three days in May, and I talked about both Conference Finals at length. I'm not going to regurgitate the whole analysis, but I'm aware the Lakers arguably should have won two of those games. So at a minimum, it should have gone six. Just think about game one on the road in Denver. Could have stolen home court advantage. Storm back down 21. LeBron gets a good look at a three, and he missed it because he missed a lot of threes in that series as well. But I'm not bashing what the Lakers did. Rob Palenka takes a lot of heat. A lot of people think he only got that job because of his relationship with the late Kobe Bryant because he was his longtime agent. Well, Palenka justified his position and showed that he's a creative basketball mind, not only by finally conceding the Russell Westbrook experiment was a disaster, being willing to endure whatever pushback he got from the shadow GM and LeBron James, and we've seen it throughout his career, wherever he goes, undeniably, LeBron is a better player, well, that's a hot take, right, the all-time leading scorer in the history of basketball, than he is a GM. LeBron, the personnel executive, has not done LeBron, the player, many favors. Palenka showed his independence, dumped Russ, and made a series of moves that didn't feel like they were going to add up to much, but everything changed on the court. So, to run it back, that was the phrase I was groping for, because I'm trying to stay relevant any way I can for the younger demographic on and off the year. To run it back makes sense. But I don't understand all of the raving I have heard about the Lakers' free agency because I'm taking it move by move. So, yes, to keep Austin Reeves makes a ton of sense. And they didn't even have to pay $80, 90000000 And I'm never going to be the host who goes crazy. I think it's just a radio gimmick and reads you a bunch of marginal names and then scream about how much they're getting paid. Although what Houston is doing has made no sense to me, and we'll get into that when we check in with Jonathan Von Tobel, senior NBA analyst for VEASAN, coming up in 10 minutes. But the takeaway is the money has to be given to somebody. And Houston, thank you very much, fell apart in part because they made a serious run at Wembanyama and because of they wanted loads of cap space if, in fact, they fell short of the ping-pong balls 
drifting their way. So Houston had to give the money to somebody. Sure, they overpaid for Fred Van Vliet, but Fred Van Vliet is a adequate, steady player. If you just say from a big-picture standpoint, oh, my goodness, he's getting 130 mil for three years. Yes, that seems out of whack, but that's the NBA. Now, I, I could yell about Dylan Brooks getting $80 million for four years, but I don't want to contradict myself within 90 seconds. Lakers, able to keep that core intact. Austin Reeves, wonderful story. Nobody wanted him out of college. Lakers believed in him, and he was their third-best player in the postseason. How about Hajimura? Another player bounced around, hoops, fit his role perfectly for the Lakers. I am far less enamored with D'Angelo Russell than many people are, especially because I watched those games in the Western Conference Finals, and it got so bad because he couldn't guard anybody nor make a shot that ultimately he wasn't even allowed to get on the floor for significant minutes. And they finally conceded internally, we got to get more playing time for Dennis Schroeder. The outcome in the series didn't change, but at least the game flow was more manageable because Russell was abysmal. I understand they got him back relatively cheap. I don't know how much that works moving forward. With the knowledge, they picked up Gabe Vincent. Okay, and Gabe is another nice story. The Lakers feel like they are suddenly the lousy gym from dodgeball. Just put aside LeBron and AD for a second. Go through this thought exercise. Average Joes, right? Who's their coach? Vince Vaughn. They got a lot of dudes that nobody else wanted. D'Angelo Russell having to come full circle back to the Lakers after he did not live up to the hype of being the number two overall pick, reinvents himself, leaves, becomes an all-star, comes back. Although I think we saw much more of the real Russell, as I was talking about, when he was exposed in the Western Conference Finals. And the loss of Schroeder is a key development. Now, you could argue Gabe Vincent is the same player. I don't, I don't buy it. And Gabe Vincent, back to the notion that the scrappy Lakers have compiled a roster of overachievers, gave another terrific basketball journey. Undrafted from UC Santa Barbara. Glad he's back in Southern California where he played his college hoops. Gabe Vincent had some nice moments that were critically important for Miami in the postseason, but he is just a guy. Still, I'm not bashing the move. I just don't find it as enthralling as other NBA analysts who sum it up this way. And you throw in Prince and Reddish. The Lakers did fine, but I keep hearing they won free agency not only because of the collection of talent I just detailed, they're going to be a year better. I understand that mindset. Yes. What made the Lakers transformation all the more impressive was how quickly it occurred. They played the second best defense in the entire NBA after the trade deadline. And this was a team that was the seventh seed that found their way into the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, that's going to be overshadowed because you had an eight seed in the East in Miami go all the way to the NBA Finals, also telling us that the regular season has become largely meaningless in the NBA, and the Lakers were a totally different team than the one that started, what, 2-12? and Post-trade deadline, it was like a different franchise. But 
the Lakers also have to accept these facts. LeBron James is a year older heading into next season. He's become more injury prone after being a cyborg for the majority of his career. That's only, presumably, going to be even more of a challenge. Unfortunately, even LeBron can't cheat time. And Anthony Davis not only goes through the even and odd thing, as you were thinking about his progression in the playoffs, rarely was it back-to-back stellar performances. So, game one, terrific. Game two, disappear. Game three, he's back. Game four, he's gone again. In addition to that, unfortunately, Anthony Davis is made of glass. And that's not going to change. In fact, that's only going to get worse, one would think, as he gets older because of all of the mileage and because of the, to use an HMO term, pre-existing conditions. So the Lakers did fine. They did well. I think because they didn't botch this, people were surprised after so many horrific moves in free agency in the past. This is a real contrast to let's bring in Russ and hope for the best. They had a plan. They had a strategy, and it worked out. But tangibly, what does it mean? Denver's still the best team, in my view, in the entire NBA and certainly in the West. Phoenix moves to the two slot with the addition of Bradley Beal, and I think Frank Vogel's going to coach up DeAndre Ayton because of his past success with big men. Who do you have at number three? I'd go Warriors. And remember, if you're a Memphis fan, you're not going to have John Morant for 25 games. You kept the rest of the nucleus intact. but And I understand Memphis has had a great deal of success without Ja because of his injuries in the past and now because suspensions have become more prevalent. But your best player and one of the 15 best players in the league is going to miss a quarter of the regular season. That's going to exact a price. So Memphis clearly drops a few rungs. I'd go Warriors 3, but I'm not even that sold on the Warriors. All they did was follow the Lakers' run-it-back mantra and add Chris Paul, who's 117 years old, never healthy in the postseason, and ball-dominant. Draymond Green knocked out Jordan Poole in October. Lakers then gave the Warriors a beating in their second-round playoff matchup in which Jordan Poole was MIA and the greatest takeaway the Warriors had from that entire circle of the season started with a punch from Draymond to the grill of Jordan Poole. It ended with a knockout delivered by the Lakers to Golden State. And the Warriors decide, yep, we want to ride with Draymond. Draymond won. He got a hundred million bucks, and the guy he beat up was traded to Washington, which is the end of the world as we know it in the NBA. Warriors were so desperate to make that move, they were willing to take CP3 in exchange. And I'm not discounting Steph and hopefully a healthier Clay Thompson and their championship equity. But I don't see how the Warriors got tangibly better. So I have the Warriors three, then I have the Lakers four. So I guess just because the Lakers didn't screw it up, we have to give them some credit. But I'm not 
raving and drooling over their free agency moves like some other folks are. Let's expand the conversation coming up. I will ask our first guest, Jonathan Von Tobel, senior NBA analyst knows for VEASAN, what he makes of the Lakers' moves. Don't be surprised because Jonathan does this for a living, that he might have a differing view than the one that I just laid out. Plus, since he has the view from Vegas, after Damian Lillard winds up, let's say, in Miami, what's going to change in the balance of power overall? Is Denver still going to be the team to beat as the reigning champs? A lot more to get to. Hang with us. I appreciate the company on a Wednesday. Hit me up on Twitter, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen. This is The Rich Eisen Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. I'm Brian Weber, and I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Phone number is 844-204-7424. Conversation never stops on Twitter. That is B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Let's say hello to our first guest today. Looking forward to talking NBA with Jonathan Von Tobel. He's VEASAN Senior Hoops Analyst and a host for the network. Jonathan, thanks for taking the time. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Hope your holiday was good. It's, a, it's an exciting time. It's a busy basketball summer, for sure. And that's why I wanted to connect with you. So I was working yesterday, and I spent the better part of three hours talking about Damian Lillard trade scenarios, because that's what we do this time of the year. Ultimately, do you think he lands in Miami, and how long do you think the process is going to take to play out to get us to that outcome? I, I think I would say that Miami is the heavy favorite to do it. The Betty Marcus have them as the heavy favorite to land Damian Lillard for a reason. Um, look, they don't have the best package available, but Lillard is doing everything possible, including using uh, some outside sources to pressure the important trailblazers into making this happen. We're seeing these weird reports uh, that, hey, you look, players in the NBA are watching this scenario to see if the trailblazers are going to do right by Dane. So he's clearly doing everything possible to pressure them to doing this. And, and all the information out there says that that's probably going to be the case. So I think that's going to ultimately happen. As far as how long it takes, I think that's the interesting part. Because I talked to a couple of people out in Portland over the last couple of days, 
And it does seem that Portland is willing to kind of sit back and wait. Why would they have to rush? You know, we have a lot of time until training camp begins. They want to see if there's going to be the best thing possible out there. There are teams that are competing and vying to go and land Damian Lillard and teams with some assets. So why not try to see if you can get the most out of what's going to be a pretty weak package overall. So I think it's going to take a little bit longer. We'll probably get to the Vegas Summer League, you know, starting up here on Friday. That's like the NBA meet and greet out here in Vegas. That's going to have a lot of information coming out of it. I'm willing to bet that we get through that with no news. And maybe it's going to be a little bit into uh, maybe closer to August by the time we get a resolution here. There's no need to rush to get this thing done. Talking NBA with Jonathan Von Tobel. Check out his great work for Visa. And you said it well. And since I had a lot of time yesterday to go through all of these different ways that this thing could play out. I said probably the only soft deadline would be the start of training camps in October if they want to slow play it because you don't want players showing up being posed the question about Dame. Since you took us to the Vegas perspective, what do the odds tell us about the other potential landing spots? If Miami's the clear favorite, who's number two? So, shockingly enough, the uh, if, if you look at markets that are up, Vegas actually doesn't allow you, or Nevada doesn't allow sports books out here in Las Vegas, to hang up these props specifically. But if you look at markets outside, you know, Colorado, New Jersey, all those other places, um, the Boston Celtics are the second Interesting. to land Damian Lillard. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I, if you read all the information out there, it's, it's down to two teams. It seems like, or at least there's two front runners. It would be Miami and it would be Philadelphia with the third team potentially being Utah to go and land him. There's not like a lot of solid intel that ties Boston into this thing for Damian Lillard. So I'm surprised by that in the fact that they are the second choice. And then after that, you get to some of the longer shots where you get down to about Philadelphia is about 10 to one and the jazz are at 20 to one. And that's what I find somewhat surprising, right? Like this is something that's informationally based and all the information out there would say Philly, Miami and Utah, not in that order are the teams really pushing for Damian Lillard. And yet some of these odds markets have Boston as the team that is second in the running to go and get them. I'm glad you answered it that way with the Celtics because I was intending on asking you, what do you make of the fact, and there's still plenty of time, but you had the flurry of moves once we got to the start of unofficial free agency, that Jalen Brown still has not signed his Supermax deal with the Celtics yet. Yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised by it overall. I mean, I, I think that ultimately this thing get, does get worked out. Uh, I mean, it, it, like I think I read a report a day ago that they're actually still working out some of the finer details. Uh, this was, I think, Adrian Wojnarowski that reported that. I don't know. Excuse me, it was Windhorse. On yeah, and Windhorse also so pointed out once he signs that deal, he can't be traded for a year. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to happen. Look, I, I think there was a lot being made after the Celtics got uh, you know, eliminated the way that they did about, hey, man, we got to blow this thing up. you got to get rid of Jalen Brown. He you know, didn't very, play very well. But there is something to be said of sticking together and sticking through something, right? I mean, look at a team like the Denver Nuggets, who for the last couple of years fought through a lot of adversity. Injuries were there. They had an elimination in the bubble against the Los Angeles Lakers, stayed the course, added pieces, and sure enough, finally got to the promised land. And it looked like a team that's set up for a really long time. You know, this is a team that's made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, what, three of the last four years, and been to the NBA Finals. They were minutes away from a 3-1 lead over the Golden State Warriors just almost two years ago. So I think ultimately – when you're looking at Boston, they think it makes sense to stick this thing together. And I think there's just some T's being crossed and I's being dotted here with Jalen Brown. I think he's going to be there for a minute. And it's intriguing because now you get Christoph Porzingis there. You get a true post-up threat. They didn't really have that over the last couple of years. Changes the offense. I kind of like what they're doing here. I think he'll ultimately sign it. We'll see this thing get run back. It's, it's a very talented team still, regardless of what's happened the last couple of years. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen. We're talking hoops with Jonathan Von Tobel of v Prior to you joining us, I went through 
the Lakers collection of moves. And I'm based here in Southern California, so I watch the Lakers like everybody else, but I also get the pregame, the postgame. So if I know any team, I know the Lakers. And, Jonathan, I'm not trying to be contrarian. I understand why when we're looking at winners and losers and report cards, why most NBA analysts are giving the Lakers high marks, plus there's a notion of continuity. This team will be better having the full season coming up to play together based on what they did last year, post-trade deadline making it to the Western Conference Finals. But tangibly, how much better do you think the Lakers are? Because if I'm just going through the teams in the West, I'm still riding with the reigning champs in Denver. Phoenix is significantly better with the addition of Bradley Beal. I think the Warriors this year, with the loss of Jordan Poole, are going to be better because they're going to be more cohesive. I still think the Lakers are the fourth-best team in the West. Uh, I, I agree. I, I think this is one of those scenarios, right? We live in a, a binary world where it's got to be like yes or no, right or wrong, a winner or loser. But I think it's one of those things where both can be true. I think they can be a winner in free agency while ultimately still being, I think, clearly fourth or worse in the, in the Western Conference. When you look at the way the teams around them improve, the gap that they have to make up against a team that swept them, right, in the Denver Nuggets and, and others around. But I also think in terms of this free agency class and how weak it was and what they were going to be able to do, Ultimately, I think they did as well as they possibly could. You know, when you go and get Gabe Vincent to add to your point guard depth, you still retain Russell. You're going to get your guy at uh, Austin Reeves back. Uh, when you're adding on the periphery guys that could help you out, Jackson Hayes is a really smart veteran, the minimum type of guy. Torian Prince. I think all those pieces work. But ultimately, to your point, are those pieces that are going to push you through the ceiling that is the Denver Nuggets and maybe others around you, Memphis, who I think is going to be very, very good, uh, the Phoenix Suns. You know, I have my reservations about them, but still the star power there. And I would agree ultimately that they might be better in the regular season, right? This, is, this should be a team that should not be in a play-in mix like they were last year. However, in terms of winning an NBA Finals, how much better is their probability? They're about like 12-1 to 1 to win an NBA Finals right now. I would argue that I don't think they should be that high up on the board or people should be that confident in their chances of winning an NBA Finals or even a Western Conference. Jonathan Von Tobel of Vicent is our guest here on the Rich Eisen Show. Jonathan, solid year for the Knicks, won their first playoff series in a decade. Last year, they finally got somebody who wanted to come back to the New York Tri-State area in Jalen Brunson. Julius Randle is a adequate complimentary player. Are you surprised the Knicks haven't done more to try to build that roster and extend the success they had this year? Yeah, I'm a little surprised, but I also think that New York maybe is playing the smart game here, which is... it. This is, there's, everything is connected, right? And so when you look at what's going on in Philadelphia, for example, where James Harden is asking out and could be on his way out, uh, they are fighting to potentially go and get Damian Lillard. But when the smoke clears, Philly could be sitting there with no Damian Lillard and no James Harden and wondering, all right, like, what are we going to do here to keep Joel Embiid happy? And if that's ultimately the case, what if all of a sudden Joel Embiid becomes the next guy to want his way out? Because the Knicks are one of those top teams that have been named to be really just kind of lurking and waiting to see what's going to happen with Joel Embiid. And if that's going to be the case, and there are indications that they have a pretty good shot if that door opens to get through it in terms of landing Joel Embiid, why wouldn't you just kind of wait it out and see? Because I think ultimately when you're looking at free agency as a whole this time, right, when, when Brooke Lopez and Fred Van Vliet are like the two free agents that everybody's waiting to see dominoes fall, it's not really a class that's going to help you push through in the Eastern Conference. So why not ultimately kind of run it back, chip off some pieces like an Obi Toppin for some draft capital, and see if maybe that big fish is going to be able to land in your lap. They were sniffing around Harden. Uh, they're waiting for Joel Embiid. And I think they're kind of doing this right. Like, you've got a good young core. 
that you can ship off and maybe get a good superstar to pair with Brunson. I, I think they're doing it right and kind of sitting back and waiting to see how the, the league shakes out because they could ultimately be the winners if everything gets crazy. And we've seen over the last couple of years, it get pretty crazy when it comes to star movement. Finally, since you mentioned Houston, and I just have a morbid curiosity as to what's going on there, and I'm not bashing Fred Van Bleet, good player. I liked him all the way back in college. And I also understand how it works. you got to give the money to somebody. But when I'm looking at these moves, Van Vliet, Jeff Green, Dylan Brooks, what is Houston doing? I think they're trying to accelerate the timeline a little bit, right? Like all indications were that they were going to be in on Harden, but they kind of you know, they softened there. Uh, they really pushed for Brooke Lopez. And in fact, some indications were that Lopez promised them he would come and ultimately decided to stay with Milwaukee. So clearly they're trying to accelerate their timeline. And it, it does make some sense given Ime Udoka's over there, and he's probably a guy that wants to deal with a little bit more veterans as opposed to young guys. But I, I kind of agree with you in that, like, I just don't know why you would want to accelerate it too much when you have a good young core of players. You have Jalen Green. You just drafted Eamon Thompson. Uh, you do have Cam Whitmore, who fell to you at the back end of the first round. You have Alfred Shangun. Like, there's a lot of good pieces on this roster that in the next few years could grow to be something great. I, I think some of it is culture as well. There are a lot of reports over the last couple of years the culture there was really, really bad. Uh, you know, not a lot of respect for uh, head, head coaches and, and uh, executives. And maybe this is just about a culture change. What you do is you bring in a guy like a Fred Van Vliet to really make sure everything goes down the path that it should. But ultimately, I agree with you in terms of team building. It's not something that I would want to do because you run a risk of maybe uh, dampening the development of some of these young guys who should have the ball in their hands as opposed to Fred Van Vliet or Dylan Brooks. Jonathan, I enjoy your work on VSIN. I was looking forward to the conversation. Greatly appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much for the insights and hope you enjoy the rest of the holiday week. Thank you very much. You too, and I appreciate you having me on. My pleasure. Good stuff from Jonathan Von Tobel. As you heard, he's all over the NBA, senior hoops analyst and a host. VSIN does a great job, I think, for casual fans and hardcore gamblers. They run the gamut because Jonathan. If I had teed him up, and I'm not much of a sports investor, I'm not anti-gambling, and I'm certain when the phone rings, you will hear from me on a different platform at some later date saying, hi, everybody, here's my lock of the week. But it was interesting to hear Boston right there amongst the teams with the best odds, understanding a big gap from Miami to the other collection of teams, but Boston still in the mix potentially as a landing spot for Damian Lord and Jonathan took us around the league quickly and with strong opinions, which is always the goal. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen. You got thoughts on what you just heard? 844-204-7424, the number to call. Hit me up on Twitter, BW Weber, Weber with two Bs. More NBA in the final hour of the program. One hour from now, we'll say hello to our second and final guest, talking NFL with Trevor Sikama, a pro football focus. Coming up, we'll head back to the NFL. Aaron Rodgers has joined the Jets, you might have heard. Certainly making the AFC East the sexiest division in football, but is it the deepest and most talented division? We'll tackle that coming up. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Brian Weber back with you. Getting closer to the final hour of the program. Still plenty of time for you to get involved. 844-204-7424 is the phone number. Your tweets are being processed. I read them all. I don't respond to all of them. But I appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts. At B.W. Weber, Weber with two B's. Just over 15 minutes away from the final hour of the program, we'll get back to the baseball. More thoughts on the transcendent talent. That is Shohei Otani. Special day for the biggest star in all of baseball, turning 29 years old today in the midst of more adversity for his current club, the Angels. We'll talk about the implications of Mike Trout being put on the injured list yesterday after suffering the broken bone in his hand, falling off a pitch the night before in San Diego with no trout for the foreseeable future timeline for his comeback would be four to eight weeks. What's the likelihood if the Angels continue to scuffle that Otani will be dealt prior to the trade deadline coming up August 1st? We'll get there in addition to an NFL conversation Just under an hour from now, when we bring in Trevor Sykema of Pro Football Focus. Let's get back to the NFL. It has been hard to miss the avalanche of attention being connected to the New York Jets. And I realize who I'm filling in for. It's not hard to remember. Big sign in front of me. Rich Eisen Show. And I've been following Rich's career Going back to when he worked in Redding, California. I was a local sportscaster in San Francisco. And then obviously everything changed for Rich when he got the dream job at ESPN and came west in 2003 for the launch of NFL Network as their first on-air contributor. Listen to the show every day. I watched the phenomenal simulcast, the Emmy Award-nominated program on Roku Channel. So I know what the Jets mean to rich i would be a bigger fool than i normally am if i bashed gangrene i like working here so it's all about self-preservation i'm not going to dig my own ditch i would also be an idiot if i took shots at the jets because we know how talented the roster is we know how good the team played despite having Some of the most abysmal play we've ever seen at the quarterback position. Quite literally, if they had anybody other than Zach Wilson last year before he got benched and moving all the way down the line, Mike White and the rest of the crew. The fact that the Jets even had a degree of relevancy reflects just how good that defense is with Sauce Gardner and the rest. Just how good the receiving core is. Garrett Wilson. Think about the Jets having the luxury of both now the reigning offensive and defensive rookie of the year. 
a coach who's wildly respected, primarily for what he does on defense, but certainly a tremendous motivator in Robert Sala. You plug in a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, there's a lot to like about the Jets. Nothing you have not heard before. But because I'm trying to also utilize variety and not just hammer the same themes and teams over and over again, the Jets' Super Bowl outlook isn't that interesting to me right now. We're still in early July, after all. I want to take a step back and think about that entire division. Because what I keep hearing, and I understand having spent a lifetime doing more TV than radio, but about 60-40 in that split, you work long enough, you get to do just about everything. What's the old adage? 90% of success is just showing up. Kids, write that down. Another deep thought. As I'm Brian Weber, Philosopher King, Infrared Eisen, Wednesday edition of the program. The reason Talking Head shows, especially this week, are now doing It's Our Football Two-A-Days on the day after the 4th of July is they're reluctant to talk baseball because they either don't track it or there's no easy template to go back and forth like the NFL. So... I'm flipping around, and I'm seeing constantly the notion that, without question, the AFC East is the deepest, the best division in all of football. Well, just parse that sentence. Yeah, I I think there's a major question about that statement, because if you're going to be comprehensive, if you're going top to bottom, that includes the bottom. So I'm not in any way undermining the Bills. I think there are fair questions, though, about Buffalo. Because if you're just looking at overall roster talent, clearly they're right there with Philadelphia and Kansas City and Cincinnati and San Francisco. Separation between those teams and everybody else in the league, I think that's a fair statement. But the Bills didn't handle the burden of expectations last year as the overwhelming favorite to win the Super Bowl. They still have never recovered, it would seem, if you're just looking at results, in the wake of those dreaded 13 seconds on the road in Kansas City in that playoff game for the ages. And last year, it was right in front of them, hosting the Bengals in western New York, and Buffalo had a lifeless performance. I still don't know why, unless you think somehow the Stephon Diggs dynamic reflects internal dissension on the roster. I don't know what's going on with the Bills, but... It's legitimate to ask, is this team still ascending or have they plateaued a bit? Because when you have the opportunity to host a playoff game in Buffalo, isn't that the very summation of home field advantage? Frigid conditions. Bills, Mafia out of their mind, and you look that emotionally flat, something was amiss, and maybe it was all a byproduct of the DeMar Hamlin situation. That would be understandable and still miraculous that DeMar has been practicing with the team after all that we saw on that Monday night we'll never forget in Cincinnati. So I'm just pointing out there are logical questions to be posed about the Bills, but certainly on that short list of teams that can win it all, Miami made the playoffs, A year ago, they gave Buffalo a lot 
a pushback in that playoff game down to what? A ninth string quarterback after all the injuries. What if Miami gets Dalvin Cook? They'll take another step forward amongst the teams that have a real possibility of winning it all. Jets belong in the Super Bowl conversation. My problem with an analysis that says the AFC East is the best division in the NFL comes down to the last place team. The Patriots won eight games last year. Vegas says the projection is eight games again this year. Tell me, other than the addition of Bill O'Brien, which I'm not overlooking because it was an absolute football crime, it was coaching malpractice to have Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as the offensive, quote-unquote, brains trust, try to coach up Mac Jones. Now, we're still waiting to see where DeAndre Hopkins goes. If you're telling me Hopkins winds up in New England, okay, I'll revise my opinion. But the Patriots are proving continuously they're just another franchise since Tom Brady left. And that roster has glaring holes on it. So unless Hopkins is going to put his name on the bottom line of a contract that is offered to him by the Patriots, I just can't come up with the conclusion that the AFC East is the best division in football because their worst team is bad. So if I have to give you the takeaway, who's better, I'm going to go with the AFC North. And I could just do it quickly, all right? Cincinnati somehow avoiding the Super Bowl hangover that history says the team that loses the Super Bowl implodes the following year. Cincinnati, I don't have to go through all of the reasons why they're such a compelling team. You get where I'm coming from. Baltimore now finally putting the Lamar Jackson contract debacle behind them, finally upgrading the wideout position. I don't know what Odell Beckham Jr. is going to do, but it's got to be better than the collection of generic names. The Ravens have been plugging into the wideout spot for far too long. Pittsburgh had a winning season last year. Somehow, someway, Mike Tomlin still has never had a losing season. An incredible development. I'm not putting Kenny Pickett into the Hall of Fame, but it feels like if you watch the Steelers, because Pickett struggled, understandably, as a rookie, if he just takes a step forward, much like the Jet thought. If the Jets get anything better than the abysmal play of Zach Wilson, they're going to be in the Super Bowl conversation. They should get a lot more than that with a rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers. If Pickett just doesn't wet the bed as much as he did last year, Steelers will be flirting with a playoff spot. And then, as much as I find what Deshaun Watson did off the field in Houston to be reprehensible, If we're just having a football conversation, he's still a top 15 quarterback. And the Browns still have a lot of talent. So if you're out and about rest of this holiday week, you're looking to chop it up with buttons. You can take the lead of any football conversation. When the world is zigging, you zag. Don't buy the hype of the AFC East. Ride with the AFC North. You'll look like a football savant. Final hour of the program's on the way. 844-204-7424, the number to call. We'll get back to the NFL conversation in just another hour from now. Saying hello to Trevor Sikama, a pro football focus. We're talking Otani. 
what the Angels are going to do with him prior to the deadline to start the last hour of the show. I appreciate the company on a Wednesday. I'm Brian Weber. This is The Rich Eisen Show.